Well, thanks again for being here. Uh, maybe you're here in the room or watching us online through YouTube or Facebook or podcasts. We want to give a welcome to you. Welcome to Calvary, where it's our mission to love God, love people, and change the world. Pretty simple, but it aligns with what Jesus told us to do, and we're so glad that you are here today. I'm real delighted to have Kelly's mom here with us. Jeannie Burbacher is in the house. Yeah, you know her. You love her. Give her some love. We honor her and uh, so thankful that she gave birth to Kelly. I am really glad for that. So uh, glad that she's here with us and we're glad that you're here with us. You know, we've been hanging out in the Gospel of Matthew for a lot. This is our 29th week, actually. And if my count is correct, this is about week 19 or 20 in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew devoted uh, three chapters, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, to the most incredible sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount uh, there in, in Matthew. And so we've been studying that for several, several months now. And Jesus is finally going to be landing the plane today as he concludes this incredible teaching. And what a sermon it has been. Jesus has been calling them and us to a better way to a higher way, a way that gets to the inside, gets to the internal, the issues of the heart, not just a bunch of checklists. That what, that's what religion had turned into for these listeners of his. It was just rituals and, and religion and a list of to-dos and to-don'ts, if you will. So Jesus comes along and says things like, now, you've heard it said this for centuries, but I say this. And he'd address that same talk, topic, but then he would raise the bar. He would up the ante. He would raise the standard. And some of these things that he called us to seems very difficult. When they land on our ears, it's like, man, how can we ever accomplish that? He said things like, go and be salt and light to your world. He said, go love those who hate you. Pray for those who persecute you. I mean, this is tough stuff to hear and to live out. If you're angry, you're guilty of murder. Jesus said, if you lust, you're guilty of adultery. He said, don't live your life filled with worry and doubt and anxiety because your heavenly father loves you. He's already taken care of everything that you have need of. He told us, don't be judgmental. Don't be so judgy. Live with a heavenly point of view, not an earthly point of view. I mean, he set some really high standards. But he didn't leave us alone to try to figure it out. He gave us a formula earlier in Matthew chapter 7. By the way, you can turn there now, Matthew chapter 7. He said, just ask, seek, and knock, and your heavenly Father will help you. Ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you'll find, knock, and the door will be open. Everything that you need to accomplish what he has told us to do can be found in prayer. Then he said that the road to heaven is through the narrow gate. He said, now most people aren't going to choose the narrow gate. Most people are going to do what's comfortable and, and where the current of culture is carrying you. They're going to go through the wide gate, the wide road. But that is a path that leads to destruction. Choose the narrow gate. So we have to be on the lookout for false prophets who would try to yank us and tear us away from the narrow way and onto the broad way. There are wolves in sheep's clothing who might appear godly, but they aren't for you. 
They're against you. How, you, how can you tell? Because of their fruit. Last week, we talked about being good fruit inspectors. Okay? We're not to judge people. We're not to be judge, jury, and executioner of people. But he did give us permission to judge their fruit. That's why we need discernment from Holy Spirit. Because there are many competing ideologies and truths and, and religions and interpretations of the Bible fighting for our attention, fighting for our affection. So we need to lean into him. We need to lean into the voice of the Father. If there's a check in your spirit, don't ignore it. If what you're hearing seems a little shady, a little off, it doesn't align with the word of God, then you need to use wisdom there. Find some trusted brothers and sisters in the faith who have been there and done that. Find some, some older moms and dads, spiritually speaking, that have a proven track record with good fruit on their tree. And then today, he's going to, to conclude the Sermon on the Mount. And if you have made it to Matthew chapter 7, we'll pick it up at verse 21. He says this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. I don't know if you're like me, but every time I read this passage, I try to use it as an opportunity for a gut check. Right, man, I shudder to think of standing before the Savior one day and he say, who are you? Depart from me. I don't even know who you are. And so he's, he's given us some teachings. How can, how can we know? Well, we're going to talk a little bit about that today, but it's a good reminder that this following Jesus thing isn't a passive thing, isn't it? Right? We, we, don't, we don't enter life with Jesus half-heartedly. It is full on. It is all or nothing with Jesus. And in this passage, there's a lot to unpack here, but, but first... Notice that, that he said that he is the Father, he is the way to heaven, and he refers to himself as Lord. He said, not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus knew who he was. He knew he was and is the Messiah. He wasn't just another good teacher, another good rabbi or a scribe or a Pharisee. No, no. He's the Messiah. He's the way. And he was telling his listeners that same thing. Not everybody who calls me Lord, Lord. What's he doing there? He's proclaiming that he is Lord. Then he goes on to tell us his part that he's going to play at the judgment. At the end of our lives, it's actually Jesus that we are going to stand before, okay? Maybe, you, maybe you've heard jokes where, you know, I went to heaven and I, I had to go through St. Peter. <laughs> we don't go through St. Peter, St. Thomas, St. whoever, not even Mary, to get to Jesus. We go right through Jesus. He's the one that gives entrance into the kingdom of heaven, and on that day, will either be welcome to heaven 
or will be turned away. And Jesus is saying that uh, using the right words, Lord, Lord, doesn't necessarily mean you are going to make it in. There's lip service and there's real service. Yes, we do need to confess with our mouth, with our words, with our lips that Jesus is Lord. Scripture tells us to do that. But he can't just be Lord in our lips. He needs to be Lord in our hearts as well. Later in Matthew chapter 15, Jesus quoted the prophet Isaiah from the Old Testament who was talking about hypocrites. He said this, these people, these hypocrites, if you will, They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Jesus is saying he's not very impressed with lip service. Superficial, surface-level religion might satisfy some people, certain individuals, maybe even groups of people, but Jesus deserves more than lip service. He did way too much for us by laying down his life for us to just give him, offer him up meaningless words. There are people who will say, Lord, Lord. There will be church people who come to church on a regular basis. There will be people who even do daily religious routines that still sin against God, still sin against people, just like any other sinner, because Jesus isn't alive and real in their heart. It's on their lips, but it hasn't sunk down into their hearts. They talk a good talk, but they're not walking the walk. Maybe you've heard some athletes over the years that like to talk a big game right before the game, and then when they get on the field or the court, their true level of performance is revealed. When I, uh, when I grew up, I was a big fan of Michael Jordan, who, by the way, is the greatest basketball player. Okay? That'll preach somebody just said. Well, it's not in the word, but it is truth. But there would be often some opponents that would, you know, do some press interviews before the game. You know what? I don't think he's really all that good. And then they'd get on the court and be humiliated. I mean, he'd drop like 70 points on them like it was nothing. They could talk the talk, but they didn't walk the walk. The great boxer Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali, he was unique in that he was a big talker, but he could walk the talk as well. He could back it up. He said, uh, let me read you a couple of quotes. He said things like, I am the greatest. I said that even before I knew I was. I figured that if I said it enough, I would convince the world that I really was the greatest. Later, another time he said, I am the greatest. (laughs) See a theme here, right? I am the greatest thing that ever lived. I don't, I have a mark on my face and I upset Sonny Liston and I just turned 22 years old. I must be the greatest. Now we're not endorsing an arrogant, uh, I'm the greatest kind of approach here, okay? But do our words align with our actions? Not everyone who says with their lips, Lord, Lord, will actually enter the kingdom of heaven. The apostle Paul, 
He knew the importance of having discernment with big talkers as well. He talked to his, actually wrote a letter to his little brother in the faith, Titus, uh, and told him how you can deal and, and be on the lookout for these kinds of people. Titus 1.16, they, talking about these false prophets and hypocrites, they claim to know God, but by their actions, they deny him. They are detestable and disobedient and unfit for doing anything good. That's what Paul said. Look out for these corrupt guys. They professed God. They claimed God. They probably had a good Jewish background and upbringing. Maybe they even memorized some of the Torah or the Old Testament passages. But it was all empty talk. And Paul didn't have a whole lot of patience for him. I mean, he used some strong language here. He said, look out for these people. They are detestable. They're disobedient. They're unfit for anything good. Look out for the big talkers. Now, you can take it or leave this counsel here, but if someone is grandiose in their talk about themselves, if they think really highly of themselves and they, they, they boast with their words about how amazing they are and how holy they are and how righteous they are and what a good Christian they are. Look at all I've done for the Lord. If, they're, uh, if they are a big talker, I would just caution us to be on the, uh, on the uh, lookout there. Use some discernment. That might not be the person you want speaking into your life. I have found often that those who are the biggest talkers, they don't have a walk that is consistent with their talk. Be careful for the big talkers and the arrogant. In Luke 18, Jesus actually tells a story. He told a, a parable about a Pharisee and a tax collector. This Pharisee was your classic, uh, prideful, big talker kind of guy. I mean, he talked a big game. We can look at verse 9, Luke 18. To some who were confident on their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like the other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. I mean, this guy is a piece of work, right? <laughs> Look at all I've done, Jesus. That's how he's devoting his prayer, to talk about himself? But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven. But he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And then Jesus went on. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus said that there will be people like this. They have a big talk. They talk a, a big game, and they'll try to amaze you with the incredible things that they've done, even perhaps done things in the name of Jesus. There'll be people like this that will not be allowed entrance into heaven. I mean, real quick, can you imagine when you stand before Jesus in heaven and you have an attitude like this guy? You just talk about yourself. Hey, look, Jesus, I'm here. I've arrived. Let the party begin. 
I mean, this guy is incredible. I'd want to have the, the posture, the position of this tax collector. I, I am so, uh, compared to you, Lord, I'm just so unworthy. Thank you for just the opportunity to, to know you and to enter your presence. I mean, this other guy, I mean, it was absurd. The great pastor from the 1800s, Charles Spurgeon, this is one of his quotes, if preaching could save a man, Judas would not have been damned. If prophesying could save a man, Balaam would not have been a castaway. Someone even who prophesies, someone who, who preaches, they don't just get an automatic pass into heaven. This is why we need real discernment. Because successful ministry, if you will, in people's eyes aren't necessarily what success, what success looks like from Jesus' perspective. I'm not too interested in man's uh, level of standards or indicators of what success is. I'm much more interested in what Jesus defines success as. Okay, so what does Jesus say that the indicator is? How can we know if we're getting into heaven or not? If it's just a talk or, or where are we at? Well, he tells us in the second part of verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but, and here he tells us, only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So the fruit on the tree that Jesus is looking for isn't uh, all this grandiose talks about, look at what I've done. Look at how great I am. Look at the works that I have accomplished. Look at me and what I've done for you. That, that's not the fruit on the tree that Jesus is looking for. He is looking for those who are walking in obedience to the Father. Those who do the will of the Father. Now, those of us would, uh, that have children living at home would probably agree with this, that our kids are in our good graces and in our favor and our hand of blessing best when they are obedient. Amen, parents? Oh, man, I thought you'd be a little more excited about that. I'm helping you, parents. You want to bless them best when they are obeying you and they, they have your good graces. When Kelly or I tell our children what to do, what we're not looking for is some negotiations. We're, we're not even looking to receive from them a list of great things they may have done that we didn't ask for. That's all well and good, but we didn't ask for that. We just want simple obedience, right? Those who are allowed entrance into the kingdom of heaven are those who obey the will of the Father. Well, how do we know the will of the Father? We have to have relationship with the Father. How do my kids know what I want them to do? They, they get close to their dad. They get close to their mom. The more we hang out, the, the more they get a, a glimpse of our heart, the more they are going to be tuned in with what it is that we want them to do. Well, it's the same with our relationship with the Father. The more we spend time with him, the more we're going to understand what his will is. So knowing the will of the Father implies that there is ongoing communication with the Father. 
It implies that there is an ongoing relationship with our Heavenly Father. That way we can hear and then do what he leads us to do. There are many people who will do a, a lot of things for Jesus, but they never really had a relationship of love and fellowship with Jesus. It was all works and little to no relationship. Did you know that I can do some things for my wife and not have a relationship with her? I can even buy nice things for her. Here's a nice car. Here's a nice house. Here's whatever it might be. I can even buy things for her and still have no idea what's going on with her. Still have no idea what's going on in her mind or her, her heart, the condition of her heart. Entry into heaven can't be bought. Entry to heaven isn't about works. It's by knowing Jesus and by being known by Jesus. That's part of our vision here at Calvary, by the way. We want everyone on their spiritual journey to, number one, know God. Not just know about God, but know God. We just talked about Michael Jordan. I can say, oh yeah, I know, I know Michael Jordan. But let's be real, I don't have a relationship with Michael Jordan. I don't know him on a real intimate level. That's the kind of relationship we desire each of you to have with the Father, an ongoing relationship where we know him. We don't know just about him. We know him deeply and intimately. You see, there's a difference between being around Jesus and being in Jesus. Judas was around Jesus, but he wasn't in Jesus, and Jesus certainly wasn't in him. I mean, Judas, he had a front row seat to the creator of the world. How cool is that? He got to walk and talk with the physical Jesus Christ while he was here on the earth. He probably witnessed some incredible things, incredible miracles, blinded eyes being opened, the paralytic being healed, using two fish and five loaves and multiplying it and feeding thousands and thousands of people. He had a front row seat. He was around Jesus, but he wasn't in Jesus. There may be many nominal Christians, some casual Christians who are around church, who are around Jesus, who even have certain scriptures memorized and they know how to talk the talk that will never make it into heaven because their talk didn't turn into walk. Their hearing didn't turn into acting. This, this is why this, this scripture just is so sobering to me. I love Christianity. I love churchy things. I love coming to church every week. I love the worship songs that we sing. I love digging into the word. I like being with brothers and sisters like you. I, I like listening to, to worship songs. I like listening to Christian podcasts. I, I can identify. These are my people. I like doing this, but I, I just got to make sure that, that I don't let the churchy things supersede my relationship with Jesus. I got to be very careful. I'm preaching to myself first. This is... This is a gut check for Benny Ferguson first. It's chilling to think of standing before Jesus and hearing him say those words, depart from me, I don't know you. 
Let's make sure that we're not just around church, we're not just around Jesus, but we're in Jesus, and Jesus is in us. In fact, the very first commandment that he gave us in the Old Testament was you will love the Lord. You should have no other gods before me. He wants to be number one in our lives. Traditional wedding vows often include that phrase, um, forsaking all others. Right When we enter into a marriage covenant with our spouse, we are forsaking all others. Okay, No matter how many girlfriends I may have had, which weren't that very many, babe. I, honestly, you were the first. First and the best. Doesn't matter what the relationships in the past were, okay? We're forsaking all others. It's the same with our relationship with Jesus. We're forsaking all others, whether it be our political persuasion, our hobbies, the things we like to do, other relationships, our priorities, our money, whatever that stuff might be, we forsake that. We forsake anything or anyone that comes between our relationship with Jesus Christ. We are fully surrendered to the Lord. Are we doing okay, everybody? Okay, this is, this is hard, but we need to hear it. Amen? We need to, I can take it. Can you take it? I can take it. We got this. So then Jesus wraps it all up. He puts the bow on the Sermon on the Mount uh, by telling us that we need to build our lives on the firm foundation. This is a classic teaching from the scripture. Matthew 7, beginning with verse 24. Therefore, I think this therefore, like the last three chapters. Okay, you, I've told you this, this, and this. Therefore, and he wraps all of his teachings, he summarizes all of these other teachings into this one last and final lesson. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. If you want to win at life, if you want to, to, to succeed at what is my definition of success, if you want to please the Father, then listen to these words of mine, Jesus says. My teachings, my heart. You know, I'm sure back then, just like today, that choices are limitless on who we can listen to, who we're going to follow, what, what religion we're going to identify with. Jesus says, listen to my advice. Listen to my teachings. Listen to these words of mine. What's Jesus saying here? That his words are the words that we should be building our lives upon. It's his words that bring life. It's his words that are the foundation that we build our lives on. And we put them into practice. Right? The true followers not only hear the word, they put the word into action. His word makes a difference in our lives. So it sinks down, it gets inside of us, and it affects the way we talk. It affects the way we make decisions, the way we act or think and live. There are a lot of people that listen and hear, but it never goes beyond knowledge and put into action. John Maxwell said this a couple of weeks ago, we are educated far beyond 
our level of obedience. Many in the American church have heard the words of Jesus over and over and over, and yet they haven't acted on what Jesus told us to do. We admire what he says. And those are some really good-sounding teachings. I really like that. In fact, I love what he has to say there. That, that's really good, Jesus. But too often, we will substitute education or Bible study or hearing the word instead of acting on the word. We love the doctrine more than the doing. And look, I love the doctrine. I think it's, I think it's really fun. That's why I went to Bible college. I love opening up the commentaries. I love, you know, digging into the context. I, I wonder what it meant, you know, when they, what was the original Greek or Hebrew? I love digging deeper. That's great. We should do that. We endorse that. And then we should act on it. We should actually love our neighbor. We should actually turn the other cheek. We should actually lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. We should actually live for others by being salt and light to the world around us. We should be living his teachings in real life, in real time, not just keeping it up here in our head. Let it sink down into our heart and, and how we live and act. See, when you and I stand before God, I do not believe he's going to ask us the question, hey, what did you know? How many scriptures did you memorize? How many books did you read? How many times did you study the Sermon on the Mount? I don't think he's gonna be asking us, what did you know? I think the bigger question is gonna be, what did you do with what you knew? I put some resources in your hand. I gave you access to the word. I put you in a, in a church that spoke the truth in love from God's word. I put inside of you talents and abilities. I gave you resources. Most of all, I gave you Jesus. He's gonna ask us, what did you do with what I gave you? Did it just stay up here? Or did it leak down? Did it sink into everything that we are? Blessed are those who hear the word and act on the word accordingly. Jesus' half-brother James, he, he wrote a great letter, a great epistle. He, he said that we aren't to be hearers only, but also doers of the word. And if we'll live by the word, Jesus says that we'll be like the wise man who built his house upon the rock. Then the rain came, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall. Why? Because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, there's the key. They were just hearers not doers. They do not put them into practice. It's like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Hmm. 
Now, a lot of us here today, we live in neighborhoods. We've lived in some neighborhoods over the years. And a, a typical neighborhood has uh, one, maybe two builders that uh, has claimed to, to be able to build the houses in that neighborhood. And there's usually three or four, maybe five at most, different floor plans or elevations that you can choose in this neighborhood. And so when you drive through uh, any given neighborhood, most houses look relatively similar. I mean, most houses look the same. Oh yeah, I've seen that, I've seen that. But you can't tell everything that's going on inside the house from the outside of the house. So when you're driving through a neighborhood, certain houses from the outside, they may look the same. But this house over here might have different countertops or a different selection of flooring. Or this house is a really blessed house because they keep their bathroom clean. Come on, come on, OCD people, right? <laughs> keep that bathroom clean, right? You, you can't tell from the outside of the house what's going on with the foundation either, can you? You can't really tell what's going on with the condition of the foundation driving through the neighborhood. Why? Because the strength of the foundation isn't revealed in good times. The strength of the foundation isn't revealed in good weather. The strength of foundation is revealed in the storm. That's what Jesus was saying here. You can't see the strength of the foundation until the storm. Until the winds and the waves start crashing against your house. Now, Jesus was speaking to an audience that lived in a climate different from what we have here in Mid-Maryland, okay? He was talking to an audience uh, that often had uh, long periods of time with no rain. But however, there was a rainy season. And often during the rainy season, as the winds would come and the, and the, the floods would rise, those homes that were built on a shaky, sandy foundation, they were just wiped out. So this is, this is the context of Jesus' listeners. However, those that had a solid, firm, rock foundation, when the rainy season came, when the storms came, their house was able to stand against the storm. It was unaffected. The storm reveals the condition of the foundation. Uh, the great theologian, Another boxer, by the way, Mike Tyson. Okay, so listen to my words through your best Mike Tyson impersonation here. Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. That's actually pretty profound coming from Mike Tyson, right? Everything looks good when things are going good, right? Most people have a good-looking, nice-looking exterior when things are going their way. Everything seems good until they get punched in the mouth. Everything looks good until a storm comes out of nowhere and the winds and the waves and the storm comes. The storm reveals the quality and the strength of our foundation. Jesus said, Wisdom is a solid foundation. Foolishness is a sandy foundation. 
His words are solid and sure and true and are something that you can build your life upon. The principles that he just laid out for us in his Sermon on the Mount, that's what he's saying. All of these teachings that you have heard is a sure and strong foundation. A life not built on Jesus and his word is a shaky foundation. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. He's our sure and strong foundation. We just sang about it a few minutes ago. He is our cornerstone. We build our lives, our homes on Jesus Christ. During the good times, all the houses in the neighborhood look good. Can't really tell if there's a problem until the storm comes. So in the end, those two houses were not the same, were they? In the end, one had a nice, firm, solid foundation, and the other had a sandy, shaky, unsure foundation. See, storms separate the players from the pretenders. Storms separate the faithful followers from the fickle followers. Isn't that true even in your earthly relationships? You know, when things are going good, when you're living high on the hog, when you're living on the mountaintop, well, you've got friends coming out your ears. Everybody wants to be your buddy when things are going real well for you, when things are humming at a high level. But you really find out who your true friends are when the storm comes, don't you? When you're in the valley, that, that, that storm reveals who your real friends are. See, some people, they, they just want to be your friend for what they can benefit from you when you're doing good. Jesus said we need to build our lives on him on his word. True followers build their life on Christ, the solid rock. They both hear and do what Jesus tells us. Those who stop at hearing the word, they, they fall apart. Their house gets wiped out when the storms come. Their foundation wasn't found in Christ. Their foundation was built on self. They didn't have a, a belief that sunk down deep into their actions. Listen, we can be sure that storms are coming. Some of you might be in a storm right now. The storm is no respecter of person. All right, the storms come for the good and the evil. Storms come for the righteous and the unrighteous. So it's not a matter of if, it's, it's when. Storms are inevitable. And since they are coming, we can either build our lives on the solid rock or we can build our lives on sinking sand. And really, as, as Jesus is wrapping up his message, he's giving us this whole list of either ors, isn't he? He's saying you can either enter the wide gate or the narrow gate. It's either false prophets or true prophets. It's either uh, bad fruit or good fruit. It's either false followers of Jesus or true followers of Jesus. It's either build your life on shaky, shifting sand 
or build your life on the solid rock. The choice is ours. It's either or. See, everybody's building. Everybody's got a house in the neighborhood. We just need to make sure that we are building our house, our lives on Jesus Christ, the cornerstone, the solid rock. I want to build my life not on shifting sand, but on the solid rock. Don't you? Yeah. What a sermon. Not my sermon. (laughs) The Sermon on the Mount, right? What an incredible sermon. You know, he doesn't end with a giant crescendo here, but I think it ended appropriately. He just kind of lays it all out. Here it is, ladies and gentlemen. Here's my expectations. Here's my standards. Here's what I and the Father am looking for. Either or, take it or leave it. It's not what the Pharisees say. It's not what the religious elite say. It's what Jesus says. His words are the only words that matter. Amen, everybody? It's Jesus Christ, him and him alone. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes today. I want to give just a few moments to respond, and then we're going to go. Let's just take a moment and reflect. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? How would he have you respond today as the word has gone forth? I know we've packed a lot in today. But if you remember, Jesus said that it's not lip service that he's looking for. It's not our words that matter the most. It's our actions that matter the most. We can talk a good talk, but does our walk align with what our talk is. Just want to give you an opportunity to respond. You know, at the end of our lives, it's not going to be what we think about ourselves. I was a good person. I think I'm doing good. At the end of our lives, it's not going to be what culture said about you. It's not even going to be what religious people say about you. At the end of our lives, the only thing that matters is what Jesus says about you. Were you a hearer only, or were you a hearer and a doer? The choice is yours. So today, my first call is for those who you realize after hearing this word that if your life were to be over today, you might say, Lord, Lord, but, but you've, you've realized that you would not be allowed entrance into heaven because you haven't been living according to the words and the priorities of Jesus. You've been living for yourself. You've been building your life on a sandy foundation, not the solid rock, not Jesus. Jesus has not been the Lord of your life. You've been the Lord of your life. If that's you and you recognize that today, you know that the judgment day is coming. But I've got good news for you. Today is not the day of judgment. Today is a day of salvation. Today for you is a day of mercy. It's a day of grace. So why not surrender to him while there's still time? Why not choose today to to start over, build your life on Jesus Christ?
if that's you today, no one's looking around. I'm just going to ask you to do something a little bold. But it's not too bold. I mean, Jesus did some bold things for you. Would you just raise your hand? If you want to say yes to Jesus, I need to repent of my sin, and I need to start building my life on him. If that's you and you're in the room today, would you just, no one's looking around, lift your hand and hold it there just for a little bit. Thank you. I see some hands. Thank you here. Thank you to my right. Thank you, my right. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down now. To my left, I saw some hands. Mm. Jesus wants to come and transform your life right now. <laughs> your new beginning starts today. By the way, before I forget about it, after this, we want to encourage you to sign up for water baptism where you're symbolizing being buried just like Christ was buried in the grave. But you're going to come up into new life. Now, that's not what gives you salvation. That's just an outward expression of what's been done on the inside. Jesus has cleaned you up on the inside, and now we're going to share with the world what he's done for you. But if you just raise your hand, maybe you didn't raise your hand, and you're like, hey, Benny, I, I, I recognize I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I've been living with my priorities. I've been building my life on a shaky foundation. I'm afraid if a, a storm came today, my life would be wiped out. I'm going to be left with nothing. If you're ready to make Jesus the Lord of your life, I'm just going to encourage you to repeat this prayer out loud with me. In fact, we're all going to say it out loud together. And it's not, it's not the power in the prayer. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that comes in when you pray this prayer. It's, it's acknowledging that you are a sinner, that you can't do enough good works to earn your way into heaven. It's accepting the free gift of salvation. It's recognizing that Jesus already paid the price for your sins. Let's all say this prayer together. Everybody out loud say, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I've messed up. I've built my life for myself on a shaky foundation. And I'm sorry. Would you forgive me of my sins. I thank you for dying on the cross and rising again so that I could be saved, so that I could have eternal life. Right now, I repent of my sin and I invite you to be the Lord of my life. And from this day forward, I will follow you. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you said that prayer, there's a connection card. Let us know you've made a decision to follow Jesus. If you're watching online, you can go to our website, CalvaryMD. There's an online connection card. We want to help you on your spiritual journey. In just a moment, there's going to be some men and women up here. They want to pray for you. They've got a bag for you with a Bible and a now what pamphlet that's going to help you on your journey. For the rest of us, can we just take one more moment? In fact, let's all stand. As we're standing, can we just take one more moment? to allow the Holy Spirit to cleanse anything that's in the way. Come on, come into realignment with the words of Jesus. Mm. Maybe you've heard the words and you're like, hey, that's good. And then you, you leave Sunday and then you live like yourself. You live for yourself. Monday through Saturday, you need to come into alignment. You need to ask God to forgive you of some of those things that have become a priority that have kind of squeezed out his priorities in your life. Can you take just a moment and do business with God? on right now.
Jesus, we come into alignment with your word. We come into agreement with your priorities. Help us, Lord, to spend time with the Father. Help us to spend time by by praying, by reading the word, so we can get to know God on an intimate level. Lord, we don't want to just know about you. We want to know you personally and intimately. So, Lord, I pray that you would cleanse us of any unrighteousness. Purify us. Sanctify us. May we leave this place a little less like ourselves and a little more like you. In Jesus' name.